0: Talk to my friend, Drew Allen. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. One the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. i conservative. I look into this guy for wisdom.
1: Well, it's great to be back with you today. This is Drew Allen, your Millennial Minister of Truth. Uh, look, you can still probably hear it in my voice a little bit. I'm sick, right? This is the longest I've gone. It's been since I started doing this podcast like a couple of years ago without doing one. It's been almost a month, I think. You know, I I, I told some of you, I released a, a couple chapters of the book. I was out of the country for a couple of weeks on vacation with my family. I came back and I got sick. And I, I did, it, became, it was impossible for me to do the show. It was impossible for me to do anything, And so this is my first venture, and I I feel like I've got the stamina to do it, so we're going to go. I don't want to spend any more time talking about that. I'm fine. I'm sorry I wasn't here. I'm glad you're back with me. Um, You know, and we've got a lot of work to do and to cover here, so I'm happy to be here. You don't realize how much you love doing something until you can't do it. I will say that's the one lesson for me, right? I I, I couldn't do the show. And I realized, honestly, how much I love doing it. You know, you go through this period of time, especially when you do it like we're doing it, and it's, uh, you know, it's just a, it's a labor of love. You know, we're not trying to, we, we haven't yet, you know, begun to monetize and things like that. We do this show because we love doing it, because we have, uh, we, we want to communicate. when We, we want to be a part of the solution, not the problem in the country. And and y- y- you make some sacrifices to do that. You're not getting rich doing it. It's just because you want to spend your time. Uh, and of course, we're we're beneficiaries of you of actually having a, a really solid, wonderful, loyal audience as well. But I just want to say that you know I love doing the show, and it reaffirmed for me. I'm I'm just going to keep doing it for for forever. Um. All right. Look. You know I I don't know about you, Captain. Uh, obviously, we're going to talk about Israel here. We've got a lot of stuff to get into today, and no one's heard me say anything about any of it, so here I am. You know, I, I for one, was just totally flummoxed, Captain. Totally shocked, actually, I should say. I, I could never have predicted that BLM, the Marxist domestic terrorist organization who hates Jews in the U.S., that that same anti-Semitic terrorist organization here would support the anti-Semitic terrorists in the Middle East, known as Hamas. Shocking, right? I mean, this this I'm I'm, I'm joking, of course. This was the reaction from so many, so many out there. They could not believe BLM supports a terrorist organization. What do you think they were doing during the summer of love? You think they were uh, playing the fiddle and singing Kumbaya? No, they were burning down American cities. And I I I I I'm not someone that makes inflammatory remarks. Yes, yes, Captain Captain actually has a question. Maybe can help. Where can he send his donation? Yes, yes. Well, you know the BLM donations. If you don't know uh, already, many of them went to Hamas. So actually, all of you uh, little sissies out there, college students, for example, that support social justice, right? Support BLM. America's so racist and so terrible, and BLM's so wonderful. I love people that burn down buildings in the name of social justice. Well, you sent your money not only to Patrice Cullors, one of the founders who bought many multi million dollar mansions for herself, uh, but you also funded BLM. Much like the president of the United States, Joe Biden, he has also been funding Hamas, he's been funding Iran. We'll get into that in a moment. Elections have consequences, stolen elections have even greater consequences. And it's not happenstance that the world is falling apart right now. This is a lesson for everyone to understand the importance of American leadership. This is an opportunity for you to understand the importance of policy, the importance of ideology, the importance of American patriotism. And we have the oatmeal-brained, diaper-wearing, loser, crook, and no one's talking about this anymore, have you noticed? Just disappeared, didn't it? All the talk about the Biden family corruption. They're loving this. They're loving this. But anyway, more on that in a moment. <clears throat> now, I, I, like, I started to say a moment ago, I don't say things to be inflammatory, you know, for the sake of being inflammatory. But there's very little difference in the Democratic Party and Hamas. Who runs the government in Gaza and I mean that seriously and I'll make the comparison so you will understand in just a moment but let me just start with this let me just start with this what is the problem in the Middle East with the Arab nations especially the quote-unquote Palestinians which are a fake people there's no such thing but anyway the Palestinians the Iranians these types right these radical islamo-nazis well they hate Jews And they raise their children to hate Jews. And they believe that Jews must be faced off the weight, wiped off the face of the earth. They are a scourge, those dirty Jews. We got to wipe them off, make them extinct, right? That's what they teach. They hate Jews. They want to kill Jews, which we just saw take place that precipitated all of this right now. Well, what do you think critical race theory is? Huh? What are Democrats teaching our children, huh? To hate the colonists. To hate the white man. Do you understand these similarities and all these insipid ideologies? Very, very, very little difference. And do you think there's much difference? You see these protests that are apparently surprising billionaire liberal donors to Harvard, for example, who are now shocked that somehow these Harvard students and soon-to-be hirees at these law firms and so on, well, they're supporting Hamas. They're supporting the terrorists over the Jews? Well, I'm a billionaire Jew. I'm employing these people. Oh my goodness. These people are supporting him. I, where did they get these ideas? What? Oh my God. Harvard put it in their head? Even lower education put it in their... What? These teach... The, yes, the Democratic Party is an anti-Semitic terrorist party. They support these things. But, you know, somehow this is a surprise to everyone. And this is the thing. All of these ideologies, all these beliefs, whether it's gender theory or CRT, all this wokeness and so on and so forth its uh, stuck in the brains of our children, all of it leads to the same thing, supporting Hamas terrorists. It's all tied together. Do you understand? You do. And also, a couple things. My first observation from my deathbed, no, I'm just kidding, uh, when I was sick, I'm going to cough, excuse me. <clears throat> One of my first observations in this that I was desperate to share with you was was this. Um, it was remarkable to watch the thousand some odd murdered people at this music festival and then in the kibbutz and so on and so forth by the Hamas terrorists, right? It was amazing to... to to um, To watch that blow up the left's narrative, <clears throat> and what narrative is that? One of many narratives, but one of those narratives is, of course, that white supremacy, right? MAGA extremism is the greatest threat to everything, to the U.S., to democracy, to our republic, to people's lives. Right, right. You have the FBI working coordination, conjunction with the Biden administration and Democrats who have been saying for years now that, and this is not uh, hyperbole, this is exactly what what they've said, they've said that white nationalism and MAGA extremism, far-right extremism, has replaced Islamo-Nazi terrorism as the greatest threat. Right? They've said that, forget terrorism, that's a thing of the past. We don't have to worry about that anymore. It's those darn white MAGA people that you have to worry about. Of course, they say this without any evidence. But what do you have now? That blew up in their face, did it not, Captain? Gee, suddenly I'm not afraid of the far-right, ultra, ultra, you know, super-duper MAGA people. I don't see them uh, paragliding into uh, music festivals and shooting up Democrats. I certainly don't see them shooting up Jews, or Muslims, or anyone else, for that matter. So, this is why you're seeing a lot of this reaction. I mean, the left is panicking in some way because they're trying to protect this narrative. And all these narratives are built on fundamental lies. The idea that America is an inherently racist country, that is a, a outright lie. And, and the same with the, the narrative, parallel narrative in some ways in the Middle East, which says that Jews are the problem. It's the same thing. They have to protect that narrative, though. It's not based on fact or truth. It's just to further their political agenda. And it's insipid. And you think these Hamas supporters at college campuses wouldn't also support the murder and death and destruction of MAGA Republic? You think they distinguish between Hamas? I mean, how, how often have you heard the left compare us to terrorists anyway? This is, this is why, you know, it's missed on people, it's lost on people, how dangerous the situation is in, in the United States as well. And obviously we have the immigration issue to discuss at some point in this show as well, which is shocking. Which is shocking. I I don't remember the exact number, Captain. It might have been a couple of thousand of Hamas terrorists who infiltrated the border of Israel. I think that was the number, roughly 2,000. And we saw what damage they did, right? They killed over a 1,000 people. They kidnapped, uh, they raped. I mean, they still have the hostages, right? Obviously. And that's what a couple thousand individuals did. Now, we have 10 million illegals who have come across our border. Ten, so 2,000 Hamas terrorists have resulted in what looks like could break into World War Three, And we have 10 million unnamed, unknown, mysterious individuals who've come from all over the world from the Middle East. That's the big lie too. Oh well, yeah, you know, they're all coming from South America. No, many are coming from South America. We're importing the uh unskilled um uh you know class of individuals that wants to suck us dry (coughs) but they're also coming from all of these dangerous places i mean just the other day you saw two individuals from iran were apprehended four captain says it's four now Four were apprehended. Now, that was apprehended. That was just in the midst of all of this. How many Iranians have already come through the border that we don't know about? This is the point. This is the point. And I don't... You know, I'm not trying to be some doom and gloomer, but if you think that a terrorist incident isn't in our future, you're crazy. Wishful thinking. I mean, I'm giving you the numbers, Ten million people have come across the border illegally from God knows where, and you know I say that as an expression because we do know where many of them have come. They've come from the Middle East, they've come from China, they've come from Iran, all these places. That's redundant. It's the Middle East, but you get my point. Now, to draw this comparison, I want to bring up an incident that I've talked about on the show occasionally. It wasn't long ago that the residents of the town were celebrating this as if it still happened. That's hands up, don't shoot with Michael Brown. Remember this piece of fiction mythology the Democrats have spun for, well, since it didn't take place, because it didn't take place? But Michael Brown, right, he was the young 18-year-old promising you know, future NFL prospect. And a cop who was white just shot him in the back because he hates black people outside a convenience store. Hands up, don't shoot, right? That was the precursor to the BLM movement. Well, of course, um, the media did everything they could to reinforce that narrative. They interviewed a bunch of people that claimed to have witnessed it, who affirmed that that happened. Yeah, this white guy just drew his gun and shot this black guy in the back because he hates black people. And then we found out that all those people were liars. We found out that none of that happened. We found out that Michael Brown actually (coughs) tried to assault the police officer while he was in his vehicle, tried to grab the police officer's gun, and use it against the officer. And the officer shot Michael Brown in self-defense. That's what actually happened. And the media, of course, later was forced to acknowledge that that had happened, but it didn't really matter because once the Democrats tell their narrative, that's the one that they believe. And it doesn't matter if it is unproven because... Democrats and other cultists are going to believe that narrative whether something happens or not. They've decided that's true, right? So in the Middle East, it's we got to get the Jews. The Jews are evil. Disgusting cough, and I'm sorry, I don't know what to tell you. It's it's, listen to it occasionally or I don't do the show. So, So what we have now is we have our own Michael Brown incident that's just taken place in Gaza. And that's the hospital. You may have heard a rocket landed on a hospital or around a hospital in Gaza. And the media, the anti-Semitic, Jew-hating media on the left, <clears throat> and the Democrats, including the squad members in Congress, they immediately blamed Israel. Israel. Right, it was an it was an example of Israel, uh, you know, genociding the "quote unquote" Palestinians. They said the is Israel fired a rocket into a hospital and killed innocent civilians. Now, those of us who have been studying the media and understand academically and pragmatically who the left is, because we've been doing this for a long time and studying them, people like myself, I must say, uh, we knew immediately that they were full of crap. We knew that it was going to come out that it was, the God, it was the Hamas who blew up their own hospital. And of course, that's exactly what took place. The inbred idiots and demons scum in Hamas fired a rocket from behind the hospital and it crashed down on their own hospital and they killed their own people. And then they tried to blame Israel to make them scapegoats, to benefit themselves. And the media, who very quickly forgot what Hamas just did to Israelis and even the Americans who were at this music festival, well, they were quick to blame Israel and use this instance to claim that Israel was the great evil, the great Satan. Is it not stomach-churning, Captain, how quickly the media has just pretended that Hamas didn't just send paragliding terrorists into Israel's border to massacre a thousand innocent people. That babies haven't been beheaded by Hamas. That women haven't been raped. That they didn't just kidnap Israelis and Americans and are holding them hostage somewhere in Gaza. No, no, it's like none of that happened, and Israel, they're just going off. They're crazy, Captain. Can you look at them go? They just want to massacre all the Palestinians. It makes you sick. It makes you sick. But I want to play 1st Cue Q-Up Cut 1, Captain. And if you can, leave my microphone on because this is uh, people speaking in Yabba Dabba Doo. Uh, it's a couple of Hamas terrorists. In real time, in a recording that was released by uh, Israel, the Israeli Defense Force that confirms that Hamas operatives having a conversation, yabba dabba uh, are realizing, oh crap, we just blew up ourselves. So I want to play this first as one piece of evidence that Israel didn't blow up a hospital. And then I'll play, you know, uh, some of these other uh, psychopaths on MSNBC and so on and so forth who don't care. So go ahead and play it. Um, if you're just listening, I will tell you what it's saying in English. Go ahead. I'm telling you, this is the first time that we see a missile like this falling. And so that's why we are saying it belongs to the Palestinian Islamic Jihad. What? They're saying it belongs to Palestinian Islamic Jihad. It's from us? It looks like it. Who says this? They're saying that the shrapnel from the missile is local shrapnel and not like Israeli shrapnel. What are you saying? But God bless, it couldn't have found another place to explode? Never mind, yes, they shot it from the cemetery behind the hospital. What? They shot it coming from the cemetery behind the hospital, and it misfired and fell on it. There's a cemetery behind it? Yes, is exactly in the compound. Where is it when oh, you enter the compound, he yes. You first enter the compound and don't go toward the city, and it's on the right side of that hospital. Yes, I know it. So, there you go. But the media couldn't help themselves because they hate Jews. and and And, you know, it, it was hard enough for them to even report on what the Hamas terrorists had done to Israel, and it was it was inevitable that they were immediately going to show their true colors. So Q-Up Cut 2, Captain, this is an MSNBC reporter. I want you to listen to this. He is um, going to explain what he believes happened without any information, without any evidence coming out, without any any of the stuff, even the audio I just played, this is MSNBC, a reporter doing everything he can and the network can to make sure that you believe that it was Israel's fault without evidence. Go ahead and play this cut, Captain. It makes you sick. Well, this is an absolutely classic fog of war situation, and we should be really clear. NBC News is not able to get into Gaza right now. The Israeli border is sealed. The Egyptian border is sealed. Our teams are not able to get there and to verify this directly. We should also say that the Israeli military at this point is not providing any evidence to back up its claims that this was a Palestinian Islamic Jihad rocket. They are citing intelligence that they have not yet made public. We should also say that this kind of death toll is not what you normally associate with Palestinian rockets. These rockets are dangerous. They are deadly. They do not tend to kill hundreds of people in a single strike. Well, did you pick up on that? There you have a Hamas sympathizer. There he is. Israel, uh, they haven't provided any evidence that it wasn't them, but we haven't been in there to see anything or talk to anyone. But let me tell you what I think. I think this is really clear that this was not Palestinian. It was probably the Israel. These people are a joke. They're not just a joke. These are scumbags. These people are evil people. And this is MSNBC, who's lost like 33% of their audience, by the way, since they began their anti-Semitic Nazi coverage. And I just want you to understand something. This should be very clear, this moment, this teachable moment in the response from the left and the media to what's happening to Israel. They are projecting about everything. We're the Nazis. You know, I mean, this guy I'm going to play in a second, Mehdi Hassan, who's a plagiarist and an anti-Semite, he's a Muslim guy, on MSNBC... This is somebody who used to try and call, uh, Trump anti-Semitic. <coughs> Cue up cut three. So, Mehdi Hassan. Now, look. I chose to play this particular coverage for a second. This is about something actually horrific that did happen to a, uh, the son of Palestinian immigrants in the U.S. Now, in Chicago... Some lunatic, uh, la- um, <coughs> um, lunatic. What am I trying to say? The COVID's got my brain. No, uh, uh this lunatic. Whatever. What, what's the freaking guy's name? My brain. My brain's melting down in real time. Um, he's the guy who owns the apartment complex. I want to call him a landowner. I don't I have a brain. My brain's gone. And it landlord, that's what I'm looking for. So anyway, you have this old white guy who looks like a serial killer, who's a landlord. And he stabbed a a young six-year-old boy to death. And he stabbed the mother as well. And um, the police are alleging that it's because um, these people were Palestinian, right? So he was making an association between them being Palestinian, Hamas perhaps. And so he decided to kill them. Now... I want you to listen, though, to, which, look, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not excusing it. The guy can burn in hell, hang him, shoot him, quarter him. I don't care. You know that, That's sick. And that's the difference. <coughs> we recognize that on our side. Now, Mehdi Hassan will cover this particular thing. Well, I'll talk, should talk, I should do this differently. Go ahead and play the clip, Captain, and then I'll talk about it.
0: Six-year-old boy. What kind of hate makes someone do that? It's not hate you're born with, Joy. It's hate you're taught. And I do not believe it was a coincidence that NBC News is reporting tonight that this alleged killer was an avid listener of conservative talk radio. We have heard some vicious and vile anti-Palestinian rhetoric uh, in recent days from people like Tom Cotton, a Republican senator, saying, as far as he's concerned, Israel can bounce rubble in Gaza. Lindsey Graham saying Israel should level Gaza. Uh, Ron DeSantis saying everyone in Gaza is an anti-Semite and shouldn't be allowed into America as refugees. Marjorie Taylor Greene saying if you're pro-Palestinian, you're pro-Hamas. That is the kind of dehumanizing rhetoric. Some would say genocidal. What does it mean to flatten, level an area where two million people live? That is the kind of rhetoric that in many cases prompts people to acts of terror. Rhetoric leads to hate. Hate leads to violence.
1: Now, I mean, obviously this guy's a complete retard. Yeah, I said, I don't know. I'm not supposed to say the R word. My wife says I shouldn't say it, but this guy's a retard. I don't know what to say. Mehdi Hassan, who, who, you know, he's not, he's just a sick individual. This is a terrorist in America. Now, Mehdi Hassan, uh, when Trump is president, should be uh, deported. He should be sent to live in Gaza like a lot of these other people. And you see some of these countries uh, at least feigning support for this. But I don't want you to believe that they're serious. For example... I believe it's Emmanuel Macron who came out very strong words against pro-Hamas support in the streets of France, saying we're going to we're going to kick you out of the country. We're going to deport you from France. And now, as soon as this hospital event happened, of course, now you have these same people who are leftists, right, who are now using the fake story, the propaganda story that Israel blew up a hospital, which we know isn't even true. Now they're using that to attack Israel. And to backpedal on their stance. You see, most of these people who've come out against Hamas have only been doing it superficially so. They're faking it. Because what are you going to say? What are you going to say? Somehow, there's still a a little bit of of demand in the world that you still can't come out openly and say, Hurrah, dead Jews. But that's what most of these people really believe in their hearts. And that's what they want to say but we're not quite there yet, but we're close. And now we're seeing it, right? So they're just just—they're just not too far from being able to do that. But now they use these other incidents to now attack Israel and demand that they stand down. But now, Mehdi Hassan, now I wonder where he, you know, obviously we can agree, um, you know, we don't like hateful rhetoric. Now, hateful rhetoric is not saying realistic things. You know, th- this is the thing. They equivocate, make these moral equivalencies with everything. Right, so if you condemn anything that's hate, no, it's not hate speech. You know, uh, Gaza, the Palestinians who say death to Israel, that's hate speech. That's inciting violence. Now, where is Mehdi Hassan, by the way, on Egypt, on every surrounding Arab nation who is Muslim, right? None of them will take a single quote unquote Palestinian into the country as a refugee. Why don't they want these peaceful Gazans? in their countries. Is it perhaps because they don't want to have the turmoil that comes with importing a bunch of Jew-hating individuals into their country? Could that be it? Now, I'm not going to get into it. Islam as a religion is a religion of hatred. You know, I, I'm not I'm not going to, you know, I get it. Oh, you can't say that. Yes, I can. Point to me in the, the Bible uh, and make similar claims to me about Christianity. You can't do it. You can't do it. It's a different situation. But Islam, anybody who says this is just weak. They either, they're either ignorant and they haven't read the Quran, or they don't want to offend somebody. Now, I'm not saying that everyone who is a Muslim is an evil person that espouses violence. But I am saying that Islam as a religion is a violent religion. That's not even debatable. Read the Quran. I have. Listen to the apologist argue. It's, it's clear as day what Muhammad calls for. I mean, I'm like, this isn't a lesson on the Quran right now. You can go buy a, a book by many famous scholars and read about it. But, <coughs> you know, anyway, what does it say? How are we supposed to interpret the fact that nobody will take any of these people in? Now, there are a few reasons you could look at. You could say, oh, well, maybe they're afraid of Hamas and what Hamas is threatening. Because Hamas uses these people as human shields. Now, people are talking about the humanitarian crisis, right? Israel, how dare they demand their hostages back, their people back? I mean, lost in this is the fact, of course, that Hamas has innocent people and they're threatening to murder them. They did the kidnapping. And so what is Israel supposed to do? Not demand they get the hostages back? Not do everything they can to make them pay? But you just, you're supposed to, hey, Hamas, please give us our hostages. They just slaughtered a 1,000 innocents. So Israel's cut off the water and so on and so forth to Gaza. Okay, well, whose fault is it that that is turned off? It's Hamas's fault, not Israel's fault. And so it's Hamas who's willing to kill 2 million of its own citizens. They could give the hostages up right now and bada boom, bada bing, maybe Israel would turn the water back on. But they're not doing that, are they? I mean, I've never heard a situation like this, Captain. You know, it's like the reaction to people. Imagine that your children, your loved ones were kidnapped. Let's just say the Mexican government, which they're not far from it because the Mexican government is the cartels at this point. Let's say the cartels go into uh, Dallas, Texas. They paraglide in. They slaughter, I don't know, a thousand Texans. And they, they leave with, you know, 300, 400 uh, children, women, men from Dallas. And they take them back across the border and they go to Mexico City. Now, what should the U.S.'s response be to Mexico? Should they say, Well, um, we're not going to make any action. We're not going to make any moves here to get the children back. We're just going to sit here and ask the cartels and the Mexican government to give them back. Would you sit here and have a problem with the fact that the U.S. government would shut down all supplies to Mexico City? That we try to smoke these suckers out to get our people back? That's what you do. And I just cannot believe the, the, the soft mentality of people today. Now, obviously, nobody wants a bunch of innocent people to die. But I am so sick of the naive way we live. You know, we are so coddled and so pathetic. In the grand scheme of human history, mankind's history, people do not understand the rarity, in fact, the unprecedented nature of the stability that we have enjoyed in the U.S. in our lifetimes. Now, for, you know, forget Vietnam, for example. Let's just go back to World War II. That wasn't that long ago, but that is the norm The norm is a bunch of genocidal maniacs. The norm is a bunch of autocrats and dictators and tyrants who want to conquer and pillage and take over territory. That's how the world has been shaped. It's a violent world. And periods of stability prior to this particular period in history are very, very rare. And we have fooled ourselves into thinking that mankind has changed that we've evolved so much and become such superior human beings that we've given up on war. We've given up on these things. No, no. And you know, I, And I'm sorry to tell you, there are not soft, easy, peaceful resolutions for everything that happens in this world. Countries were built by armies. Countries were protected and survived with armies. They exist because of armies. Because they defend themselves. Otherwise, you get gobbled up and taken and conquered. That's the way it works. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm just a realist. But anyway, so, you know, everything's Israel's fault now. How dare they do anything, take any action to get their hostages back? to get their people back, to protect their own sovereignty. And meanwhile, you have all these Islamo-Nazis saying what we know they want all along, which is Israel doesn't have the right to exist. And I'll do it another episode, or I'll do it for the paid subscribers and do a special on this about the history of Israel. Palestine's not a place, never was, never is, has no right to be there. Israel, however, has historically been there forever. Forever. And this is how things happen. You know, you're strong, you take your territory, you hold it. You're weak, you lose your territory, someone else comes in. And of course, the problem in the Middle East is it's religious fanaticism as well. Now, where would you rather your daughter hang out? You want to send her to hang out in Gaza with the Palestinians? Or you want to send her to Israel? Where is she safer? How many uh, Muslims are living in Israel happily without being harassed or attacked? Many. How many Jews are living in Gaza? None. None. So I am sick of this bullcrap narrative that Israel's the uh, oppressor here. Just like in the U.S., the white man's the oppressor. Siding with terror. If you're a Democrat, I hope you're opening your eyes right now. You belong to a party that is the party of terrorism throughout the world. <clears throat> but here we go. This is this is the state of American politics too. So we know that the we've established it's very clear that um, the hospital bombing was um, the fault of Hamas. They blew up their own hospital. But as soon as it happened, you had Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib blaming Israel bombing. A Among the gravest of war crimes, the IDF reportedly blowing up one of the few places the injured and wounded can seek medical treatment and shelter during a war is horrific, Omar, the terrorist, wrote. Blaming Israel. It's just... I guess... I mean, I knew they were this way, but the blatant nature of the proud display of anti-Semitism is a little shocking to me. And the other thing is... Has anybody heard of the Holocaust? Remember that little thing called the Holocaust? Six million Jews slaughtered, murdered, gas chambers, and so on and so forth by the Nazis? How can anyone look at that and sit here and claim that the Jews are the problem? Oh, yes, the Jews trying to commit genocide against the Arab world. (coughs) They just want to survive. And it's been said, you know, if, (coughs) if Hamas put down their guns, there'd be peace. You know, and if, if Israel put down their guns, well, Israel would no longer exist. They'd be wiped off the face of the earth. And by the way, that's the same. The same thing is true of gun ownership in America. You understand all this stuff is related. All these dummies out there that sit here and say, oh, you know, there's violence in America with guns and other nations don't have this problem. And we need to give up our guns to save lives. And with the Second Amendment's ridiculous, the Second Amendment exists so that uh, our Hamas-style government doesn't do what Hamas is doing to the Jews. That's the that's the only reason we have the Second Amendment. And thank God we have it. But anyway, you, you had all this going on now. Um, and also, you notice how Mehdi Hassani's is blaming uh, conservative talk radio? No evidence, right? So who who did this guy listen to, Mehdi? Wh- wh- which, wh- was he listening to the Drew Allen show? Tell me exactly what Drew Allen said that inspired this man to murder a young six-year-old boy, Mehdi. He can't do it. He can't do it. There's no evidence of any of this. Now, what I was going to say is you have them covering this horrific story, this horrific tragedy that happened to this boy. And, of course, they're politicizing it. But when Kaylor Ellingson, that 18-year-old boy in <coughs> North Dakota, I'm sorry about the cough. Honestly. Honestly, I am. I wish I could change it. <clears throat> um, yeah, I mean, I've been speaking for like almost 40 minutes. I'm, I'm really pushing the limit here. Um. <clears throat> But, you know, this uh, this uh, Taylor Ellingson, the 18 year old in North Dakota, he was run over and murdered by a Democrat who admitted that he killed the boy because he thought that Taylor Ellingson was a far right MAGA extremist. Did Medi do a segment and Joy Reid do a segment on that murder and say, where did this violence come from? Where was the rhetoric that inspired this? Could it have been the recent speech by Joe Biden in which he said, you know, he basically labeled all far-right MAGA extremists as domestic terrorists? Where was Maydee questioning that? Or how about when uh, that individual who was a BLM supporter, black individual, mowed down a bunch of children at a Christmas parade in Waukesha? Remember that episode? Did Mehdi Hassan, the anti-Semite, have the same thing to say about that? How could somebody do this? No, he didn't care. He didn't care. And by the way, you can look at its statistics even not long ago. And uh, you know what the leading hate crimes are in America? Anti-Semitic. They're up like 30%. Up like 30%. Um, But don't worry. Don't worry. Joe Biden, um, he's to the rescue. He's going to go. He's in Israel right now. And we have nothing to worry about because we're in such good hands. I mean, after all, Joe Biden did um, send $33 million of COVID relief funds to Hamas. Somehow they ended up there. And Joe Biden did just give $6 billion to the Iranians in exchange for five American hostages. Now, that money is in a bank account in Qatar. And they're claiming, without telling us how they're doing it, that it's not going to be released right now, but I want to guarantee you that that $6 billion will end up in the hands of Iran. It will. Now, here's the situation. Qatar. Qatar is where the leader of Hamas lives. His office is there. The leader of Hamas actually celebrated the murder of the innocent Israelis at the musical festival from his office in Qatar. In fact, in Qatar, the leader of Hamas just met with one of the leaders of Iran. So Qatar is harboring a terrorist leader. And Secretary of State Blinken was just in Qatar meeting with the emir of Qatar and didn't mention a word about it. Now, why is the U.S. not using diplomacy and its power to demand that Qatar extradite the Hamas terrorist leader to Israel to face charges for what he and his terrorists have done. Now, I want to be clear. I wrote an article about this. You can go on drewallen.substack.com and read about it. Janet Yellen is saying, we have plenty of money to fund two wars. We don't have plenty of money to fund two wars. We're $33 trillion in the hole. We have no money. This is a problem. And reality is going to smack us on the face very soon. And I would would ask you too, do you really think the U.S. military under the woke leadership of Biden and others who tell the Marines now that they can't say ma'am or sir because they want to create a more inclusive environment. <clears throat> Do you think that we're prepared to win any wars? How many of these new recruits in the military supported BLM? The reality is that, look, I, I, I you know, basically in this piece, I explain, I'll just try and try and be brief about it. I unequivocally support Israel. Unequivocally. But World War III is not a situation that we should be aspiring for. Now, I would love nothing more than for Iran uh, to be overthrown, the government there. I would love for the Ayatollah and the other radical, theocratic, fascist Nazis to bend their knee And face justice at the hands of their oppressed citizens. I would love to see that. I would love to see radical Islam wiped off the face of the earth. But we need to be realistic about our objectives. And we need to be very realistic about what our prospects are. And, you know, the U.S. for a long time now has gotten away with effectively... Not saying no uh, to everything that is stupid, right? Like, oh, let's send, you know, $113 billion to Ukraine. Let's send, you know, $36 million to gender studies here. Let's do this. Let's not build a wall. I mean, But soon, because of the situation in America, our weakened military, remember our military, every single branch has stated that they expect or have already experienced shortages. In recruitment, people don't want to join the military anymore, and I don't blame them. So, you know, we are running out of ammo ourselves. Remember, not long ago, we ran out of a certain um, caliber and type of ammunition because we sent it all to Ukraine, and we don't have any more. Our equipment is aging, we don't have the bodies. And who's going to fight in this war? Are we going to have a... I mean, look at the Arab world. It's massive, massive, massive. And, you know, how are we going to win a war? And the question, and the answer, of course, is we can't. Because look what happened in Afghanistan, right? Obama tied our soldiers' hands behind their backs. They took Taliban propaganda repeatedly and used it to crucify our own troops even when that information was false, right? The Taliban would stage things, say, oh man, this special forces unit just wiped out a village of women and children. And uh, the media would run with that story and they would go and prosecute our own troops. I mean, this is the kind of thing that was happening. I mean, there were countless examples of people dying in Black Hawk Hawk helicopters and so on and so forth that were shot down by rockets from terrorists (coughs) because the... (coughs) Um, leadership refused to give U.S. troops permission to open fire on enemy combatants. For example, Obama passed a rule at one point that said that, you know, U.S. troops were forbidden essentially from going into structures or firing on structures. So what do you think the terrorists did? They'd go and hide inside homes and then they come out with rocket launchers and shoot down a Black Hawk helicopter. Meanwhile, we're sitting there. Hey, can we open fire? We see the tip. Nope, you can't. They're inside a building. I mean, this is what I'm talking about. And you're seeing it here. Hamas, they can behead children. They can go in and slaughter innocents. They can rape them in front of the family. They can do anything. There's no rules. But the moment Israel wants to engage, oh boy. No, no, you better not kill a single innocent civilian. Yeah, but Hamas is actually using them as human shields. What am I supposed to do? Well, you bet. You just you can't do it. You can't fight them. You can't win wars this way. But the U.S. is facing a situation soon where even if the decision is correct and moral, we won't have the means to make that decision. And that's a terrible place to be. And I made this point in the article, Captain, I was talking about the Roman Empire, and I was saying, you know, (coughs) in the third century B.C., You know, when Rome, you know, at one point, Rome could go to war. It could take territory at will. I mean, that's how it took the entire Italian peninsula. They did not have a foe that could beat them. They were so advanced in their military uh, capacity, their technology, their training, and so on and so forth. They could not be stopped. But remember, that same Roman Empire fell to the Germanic tribes and barbarians. Well, the, German, the, the Roman Empire that fell to the barbarians was not the same Rome that existed under, you know, the Pax Romana at the height of its strength. And my point is, a lot of people are saying, well, screw it. Let's go to war. Let's go to World War III. And I'm saying, even if that's somewhat justified, it's foolish because it doesn't take into consideration the fact that we're like the Roman Empire at the end right now. Right? The, the, we are not the United States of the 80s we're not the united states of even the 2000s and i would remind you that the 20 year war on terror cost us 8 trillion dollars and the debt when we started that was only 3 trillion now it's tripled it's 30 over 33 trillion and there's inflation how much money are we going to spit How many trillions are we going to spend on – do we have the money? We don't have the money. And Janet Yellen and these people are so irresponsible. Here's what you should be worried about. People that seem to be getting ahead of themselves, they're not looking for any diplomatic solution. They just want to go to war. I mean why would Janet Yellen, the irresponsible liar, the worst uh, uh, secretary of the treasury in U.S. history, the same person who told us that inflation was transitory only to then say, oops, I lied, I was wrong, this is a, per yeah, we can, we can fund two wars. No, we cannot fund two wars. We cannot afford it. And you have Joe Biden, and I don't know if he made a mistake here because he said something different in Israel, but the report was the Biden administration was going to ask Congress for $100 billion, with a B in Ukraine, Israel. You see how they're tying this together now too, by the way? And we're already, you know, Biden apparently has picked out, or somebody picked out for him, 2,000 troops. That he's ready to send or is going to send to Israel. You don't think that he's going to then, because what hasn't happened in Ukraine so far? The U.S. hasn't committed that we know of, that we know of, that we've admitted. We have not committed ground troops, right, in Ukraine. So it's still a proxy war and we're pretending like we're just funding it when it's really our war. You don't think the argument soon is going to be, well, we've got troops on the ground in Israel. Let's go ahead and put them in Ukraine as well. You don't think they're going to try and pretend like these two conflicts are exactly the same and that we should be treating them the same way and the Ukraine is just like Israel? Meanwhile, while they'll try and make that comparison, you notice that there were no calls for peace or treaty or laying down arms or anything else between Russia and Ukraine. It was, Ukraine needs to go to march to Moscow and depose Putin. That's effectively what they suggested. They didn't want any peace between Russia and Ukraine. But here, what do they demand of Israel? Oh, Israel needs to put down its weapons. You see the insanity? You know, we need to think like this because there needs to be some kind of logical, comprehensive through line to the way we think, to the decisions that we make. Now, not every situation is the same, but you can compare these two situations and say, what the hell is wrong with these people? ooh, Russia invaded Ukraine, now we've got to destroy Russia. Well, what Hamas has done is far worse than what Russia's done. And yet Israel's the scapegoat. So anyway, I don't know what it is. I have a report, 100 billion they want to send, Ukraine and Israel. And I just heard 100, whether it's 100 million or 100 billion, yeah, there is a big difference, 10 times. More than that, actually. But anyway, you know, 100 million, 100 billion, there is a big difference. But regardless, we don't have the money. And why, you know, I hear I hear people like Chuck Schumer, who's the, uh, he's the, he's the, um, the Gino, the Jew in name only, who immediately, we need to give uh, Israel the tools it needs. What, 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 what tools does, and again, I support Israel, but. What tools does Israel lack exactly? What would we be providing them? I mean, Israel doesn't seem like they they really need much in terms of uh, financial support right this moment. What they really need is a strong president who is saying the right things and using American strength to prevent a World War III and to make it very clear that Israel's not in the wrong. That's what we need right now. Um. Go ahead and queue up cut four. Here's your president, all of you people who voted for Biden, some of you uh, 36 times because you cheated and filled out fake ballots for him. But anyway, here is uh, Joe Biden. He's reading uh, this entire speech. But anyway, I I don't know if he goes off speech here or not, but this is Biden. He, I feel safe, Captain. You will hear this and you'll be like, America's back. America's back. So he's in Israel after being rejected by the um, Arab leadership, right? They called off the summit. I'll get to that in a minute. But here's Biden with Netanyahu. This should this should make you feel good. We're in good hands. Israel's safe. America's safe. No World War three because Biden is going to stop it. Go ahead and play this clip.
0: You know, uh, years ago, I asked the Secretary of State, when he and I were working in the Senate, to write something for our man. he said, uh, he wrote a line that uh, I think is appropriate. He said, uh, it's not we lead... Uh, Not just, uh, well, I won't go into it. I'll wait later. Taking too much time.
1: Nothing to worry about there. Joe Biden's sharp as a tack. Sharp as a tack. Um, and you know, Israel also shouldn't be worried because they've got a strong ally in Joe Biden. Joe Biden makes it very clear in this next cut. This is cut number five, captain, you know, He really recognizes the difference between Hamas, the terrorists, and Israel who are trying to fight for their very survival. He makes it very, very clear here. Uh, go ahead and play this cut, Captain. Go.
0: I was deeply saddened and
1: outraged by the uh, explosion at the hospital in Gaza yesterday. And based on what I've seen, it appears as though it was done by the other team, not not you. But there's a lot of people out there not sure. So we've got, we got to overcome a lot of things. Now, I I don't know about you, but, you know, it's hard to imagine even um, the – one of the worst presidents in U.S. history, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who did untold damage to this country because he was a socialist. Well, even he, who was, uh, you know, very strong in terms of the war – World War Two, right? I mean, he, that guy—he even took the uh, the Japanese Americans and stuck them in a concentration camp. I mean, not concentration camp, work camps. Um, not work camps. Uh, yeah, they were basically. But anyway, anyway, he he he, he um, you know, gathered all the Japanese Americans and stuck them in prison. So, but I, I, you know, it's like FDR. You know, um, yes, those um Japanese, they. <clears throat> it appears the other team has bombed Pearl Harbor. It wasn't our team. It was uh, the other team. The Nazis, yeah, the you know, we're fighting the other team. Other team. <coughs> this guy talks about Hamas like it's a football game. The other team. <coughs> you mean <coughs> you mean the terrorists that just uh, extracted hostages, beheaded children, murdered a thousand plus innocent people at a music festival? Yeah, well, it does appear indeed that the uh, the other team is responsible for the. Uh, Shooting the hospital. It wasn't you. It was the other team. It wasn't the Israeli team. It was the Hamas team. I mean, I every. You, I mean, I just. I just let that stand. I think it's clear where I'm going with that. But I want to put something in perspective. So you understand that the Arab leaders canceled a summit with Biden hours after the. Hamas blew up their own people in a hospital. So they scheduled this meeting with Joe Biden. Uh, it, later this week, it was going to be scheduled. And then they, uh, it was with uh, the Palestinian Authority President Mahmoud Abbas. Now, Mahmoud Abbas, the, the head of the Palestinian Authority, to understand what the Palestinian Authority is, uh, that is the organization that rewards Hamas terrorists and their families with money when they kill Jews. So apparently right now, um, the Palestinian Authority is in the process of paying out nearly $3 million to the Hamas terrorists who carried out the uh, genocide in the Israeli border at the music festival. So Abbas, you know, he he heads that. We've we've given money to that, certainly, through back channels and so on and so forth. So Abbas, Jordanian King Abdullah, and Egyptian President Abdel Fattah al-Sisi, Well, they canceled the meeting on Joe Biden. You don't cancel any summit on a United States president. Unless you don't respect that president, unless you don't respect that country, and unless you don't fear the strength of that leadership. Now, this is how far, again, America has fallen. <clears throat> when, when, when Donald Trump was president, it was Donald Trump who was canceling summits with dictators around the world, as he did with Kim Jong-un. You know, he was supposed to have a summit. I mean, he, he did meet with Kim Jong-un eventually, but President Trump, if you, if you don't recall, he was supposed to have a summit in the summer with the North Korean dictator Kim Jong-un, and Kim Jong-un's government officials, they started bad-mouthing the U.S. ahead of the summit. And President Trump said, F you. Summit's canceled. I'm not meeting with you. I hope we can meet in the future. But you don't talk this way about the United States of America. I don't tolerate it. Go screw yourself, Kim Jong. That's leadership. Do you think the Arabs would have canceled the summit against with Donald Trump? No, you better believe they wouldn't do it. Under the Trump presidency, Trump put dictators in their place. Under Biden, dictators put the U.S. in its place. And that's the real takeaway from what happened here. We don't have any bargaining power. And by the way, Joe Biden is desperate for Middle East oil. He has pretty much eliminated the strategic strategic petroleum oil reserves. There's pretty much nothing left. He hasn't refilled it either. And oil prices are back up. You don't hear the media talking about it. But it is important to Biden that (coughs) it doesn't get out of control because Joe Biden doesn't need us focusing on what's happening and what he's doing to the oil sector and If those prices go up too much beyond what they already had, he's in a situation where people are going to pay attention again. Now, right now, while all this is going on, the war against energy independence in America, our energy independence continues. And before we know it, we're just going to wake up one day and realize that we don't have access to gas-powered vehicles. There is no more energy. We're relying on uh, inefficient technologies, green technologies. And that's the goal. So in the meantime, Joe Biden has weakened America because he needs oil from the Middle East. So we don't have much negotiation power. If we want to go into these Middle East countries and we want to force them to extradite, for example, these terrorists, if we want them to bend to the will of the United States of America, all they have to do is threaten to stop producing oil. And that alone is a Achilles heel of our country and of this administration now. And this is the danger of being America last. So, you know, I just, I am fearful that we're hurtling towards a World War III situation and it's not something that we can afford to get involved in right now, even if it became the right thing or the only thing to do. We should be trying to avoid that prospect at all costs. But, of course, we have an administration that has propped up. Remember the Obama administration, too. You you think that the Obama and Biden administration, which both have done everything in their power to facilitate Iran's acquiring of a nuclear weapon, you think that this administration that props up terrorist groups around the world, that they're going to suddenly defeat the terrorists? You know, be very careful what you're listening to, who you're listening to, don't take anybody's word uh, just as it is. It's important. There's so much propaganda out there right now, like this hospital situation. And how many of you would saw that at, at first and started to uh, falter to get weak-kneed about your support of Israel and the U.S.? Oh, my God, Israel's a mob? No. Y- you know, we've got to be really firm here. This is really testing our gut. This is testing... Uh, Our intellect, this is testing our our strength and resolve right now. And we are right. I mean, these are genocidal terrorist regimes, and they do not have any moral high ground. MSNBC, CNN, these leftists have no moral high ground. There is no similarity between Hamas and Israel and what the two want. None whatsoever. Now, I didn't have time to get into it. You know, we'll talk about it tomorrow. Tomorrow, (coughs) um... You know, they're going to have the second round of, of voting for Jim Jordan for Speaker of the House. Cue up cut seven, Captain. You know, you had 20 holdouts here that um, don't understand the moment or do and don't care. These Republicans who will not support Jim Jordan so far. And I was on a radio show yesterday talking about this. So I got a couple cuts cuts will play just to kind of sum up. But go ahead and play cut seven. Here's my first thoughts. We knew why people were holding out with McCarthy, right? They were very specific in terms that they wanted to get certain concessions made. They wanted to ensure that certain things were going to be done by McCarthy that were favorable to, to kind of the conservative caucus. And so we understood what the game plan was. But, but this time, what, what, there's no concessions, it seems, they're, they're demanding of Jim Jordan. They're just doing this because yeah, they're Democrats. I mean, and, and some of these people, they've said, right, we would rather work with the Democrats, you know, to choose a speaker. Is uh, that possible? I've never seen a party. Is that possible? Now, cue up cut eight. Play cut two here. Uh, this, is, this is, you know, we started talking about something else for a minute, and then I got back to making this point. Play cut eight, Captain. I've just never seen a party, Richard, that seems to desire – greater irrelevancy and powerlessness than the Republican Party. It's incredible to watch this this happen. And of course, they seem to miss the moment. They seem to misunderstand the severity and gravity of the situation we're in, uh, that these people would even – Come out and say, oh, well, you know, we, we, we might, might try and get a consistent consensus candidate with the Democrats. They agree, do they not understand what's happening in this country Is Donald Trump is being indicted into oblivion, as they're trying to imprison the leading GOP candidate over fraudulent charges and so on and so forth? If they got a gag order placed on the guy. We've got war breaking out potentially in the Middle East now. We've got this phony war in Ukraine. Do they not understand the, 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 the moment that they need to meet here, that, that's what's just mind-boggling to me. These people care nothing
0: about republic.
1: And that's a point I'll make time and time again to you. The difference between the two parties is, yeah, you don't have republicans in the democrat party pretending to be, you know, democrats. But you do have plenty of democrats in the republican party pretending to be republicans. You see it everywhere. It's an industry. It's really, this is your real third party. The real third party is rhinos. Democrats, Republicans who love the country still, and you have the rhinos. And uh, those people are just destroying this country. It's just amazing. The party of Lincoln that was created literally to address the issue of slavery, now we're addressing a similar situation in America and frankly facing an existential threat of our own as a country, as a nation, against the Democrat party and also these foreign enemies abroad and we have no viable political party to defend and protect us. Not good, not good. Anyway, thank you uh, for tuning in again. This is Drew Allen. We'll be back, uh, I believe, tomorrow. I'll talk to Captain about it, but it feels good to be in the saddle again. It's been a month, uh, but I think we did a bang-up job. So God bless you all. This is Drew Allen, your Millennial Minister of Truth. Until next time.
0: Talk to my friend Drew Allen. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of your writing. Of the great... Young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Westerns Allen. And Drew Dye Allen. Are Conservative. I look into this guy for wisdom.